Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about the challenge of being a home cook in midlife with Christine Pittman. Now, I have to give a shout out to one of the listeners who sent in a question about this topic and a request to do an episode about it. So, Nikki, thank you so much for that. I know you're going to love this episode. What a great reminder, actually. If you have an idea for an episode, please send it to me. Not only do I love to hear from you, but I also love to get some help and inspiration for podcast episodes that really resonate with you. Like, really, I don't mind these suggestions. (laughs) It's not so easy coming up with all these ideas, my friend. (laughs) Just send your ideas to info at susierosenstein.com. So just email to them to me at info at susierosenstein.com. I can't wait to see them. Okay, now let me tell you a bit about my amazing guest today. Christine Pittman is the senior editor and owner of The Cookful and of Cook the Story, and of course, the podcast Time Management Insider. Her sites reach over 2 million readers per month. She is constantly writing, taking pictures, editing, recording, interviewing, managing contributors, And of course, cooking. (laughs) To say that she wears many hats is an understatement. There are many hats, but also many shirts, shoes, pants, and even the odd cape. (laughs) Now, Christine is a mom of two. She's always busy creating recipes that take less time in the kitchen, giving you more time at the table. She's also the author of a new cookbook, the all-new Chicken Cookbook, and 40 other cookbooks, too. Her love for cooking started early, always watching and listening to her mother and grandmother in the kitchen. Ten years ago, while on maternity leave, Christine started a hobby food blog, and now her easy and delicious recipes reach millions of readers. So this whole episode today, today's episode is inspired by another midlife transition, the transition of what's going on in our households where food is related. Being a home cook changes right along with the age and stage of our kids, our families, the number of people living at home. And you know that the number of people living at home is different for everybody and it changes for a variety of reasons. So many changes and so many reasons that this is going on and it can be challenging. The way you think about food, meal planning, and ideas for meals, it really does change throughout the years and at times it can bring up a huge range of emotions. It can be pretty challenging navigating your eating habits when you've gotten used to thinking ahead and preparing meals that everyone, especially your kids, will actually like and eat. So growing up, kids can be pretty picky with their eating habits and parents tend to just adjust accordingly. But as empty nesters, parents need to relearn what they like and don't like and how to cook for fewer people. Some people like leftovers and some really don't. Some people usually will start to feel less hunger in their 40s and 50s. There's a lot of nuances to our cooking as we age and change, 
that, you know, we don't really talk about that much. We're just in the groove and the pressure of cooking and coming up with food that we forget to check in with ourselves. And there's all kinds of reasons that you may be living alone in midlife too. There's being single after a divorce or being widowed, for example. And with Christine, she's got two kids that she co-parents with her ex-husband, so they go back and forth. This has brought a lot of freedom to choose what she likes, but it's also made it challenging to figure out how to cook for only one or two at a time. And then for many of us, there's the coming and going of those little chickadees who flew the coop back and forth to the nest sometimes too, and sometimes they stay a while. So there's all that re-figuring out stuff in the kitchen. Oops, I just bumped something. (laughs) I always laugh when I'm flailing around here. And I just bumped my water bottle and I I bumped the microphone. Hopefully that wasn't too loud. So, um, like I said, Christine's awesome. And she's going to share information about all of these home cooking permutations and also suggestions for ways to make all of it easier than ever before. So cooking was the backbone of Christine's life, and that's really how food became such a big part of her story. So get ready. I know you're going to love this interview. Hi, Christine. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie. Thanks so much for having me. I was super excited about having you in because I have lots of negative thoughts and feelings about cooking these days. So let's start by you just telling us a little bit about who you are and how you become such a, how you became such an expert in all things food and meal planning. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. So um, back in uh, 2009, my then husband and I moved from Toronto to Orlando with our, I guess, newborn at that point. He was so young. And I'd been an academic. I was doing a PhD in linguistics and this whole life change thing happened and I needed something to do. And I started Cook the Story, my personal food blog back then as a way to sort of stay connected with friends and family back home over food. And it has evolved into a full-on career now. So I've had that recipe site for over 10 years. I have a second site, The Cookful. We get over 2 million visitors a month coming for the recipes. And I also have a podcast, Time Management Insider, that's really about meal planning and time management for inside the home. And I just really love, I love all things food, but I also love the home cook and, and the, the challenge. It's not, it's not just about these beautiful, fresh ingredients, what we can do, but like, what are the challenges facing everyday people in their homes who are trying to eat well and trying to feed themselves and having all of their time pressures and trying to do that. So that has become my, my main realm over the last few years. What happened to linguistics? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I still, I still have a huge passion for linguistics. I was studying, though, the language that I was working on was Inuktitut, which is spoken by the Inuit people up in northern Canada. And I would go up into Nunavut, into Iqaluit, and do my research there. Moving from Canada to Florida, it may not surprise you to find out there are less Inuit people <laughs> and less need for somebody who is a specialist in Inuktitut. So <laughs> that just, it just got sort of set to the side. I was raising my family and the academic life didn't really fit either. It just, that publisher parish kind of lifestyle wasn't going to work. It, it wasn't clicking for me. And so something that I could do from home that I could use to help nurture my family and to be with them more, that was where I was drawn at that time. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I asked. That was an interesting <laughs> answer. <laughs> I'm glad you asked too. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> So good. Okay. So 
you know, sometimes I get requests from listeners uh, to do a certain topic. And this one, this topic today did come from a listener. So specifically, Mm -hmm. Nikki asked, can you do a podcast about meal planning for one? With the kids grown and the husband gone so much, I find myself eating junk. The family meals I know how to make don't always make sense for just me. And then she has a follow-up question, which I also want to get to. How long can you eat leftovers? So when I saw this question, I went, this is such a great topic. And then I got connected with you. I just held on to it for a while. (laughs) And then there you were in my email as well. So help us, please. But how do we go from cooking from families, mm-hmm. looking for families and, you know, thinking about like even my kid, I do have one of my three boys is a foodie. He's really, really interested. And uh, he was watching me one day cook because he has much more. He's got training. <laughs> he cares about knife skills and presentation and stuff. <laughs> he's watching me and he said, it's so interesting to watch you cook, mom. It's family style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, the, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> I'm just yeah. putting a lot of chicken in a very large casserole dish, <laughs> pouring some sauce on it. But, but really, it is a thing because now with empty nest and so many women in the middle, as your uh, family size changes, you have a, you really do have to change the way you've been cooking for 20 years. So how do you cook for one? Let's start there. Well, so I'll start by saying I feel like I've become a bit of an expert in this and not I'm not an empty nester yet, but I am divorced and my kids go to their dads for a week at a time every second week. So I go from having the big, well, big, there's three of us plus my boyfriend's around, so four of us, but meals that are, you know, had together that that I try to balance and make sure that's all things that they like and that I like and enough protein. Is there enough vegetable? Is there enough grain in their life? All of that I'm doing. And then they leave. And my boyfriend will go home too. And it's just me. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? What, what? And I think that, so the first thing for me that I came to realize was that I have to think about what foods I actually love. And even the ones that I don't get to usually have because my kids don't like them or they'd be too fussy or, you know, and so there was. Literally, at some point, like I'm wandering around the grocery store, like, what am I going to make for dinner? And nothing was like jumping out at me. And I had to do this wait, what do my kids not like? What am I not allowed to have normally? What can I go and get? And it sort of, I don't, it doesn't have to come from such a negative place, but it really did. Like, I can put mushrooms in everything now. I can have lots of kale. I can, you know, I um, love that. Yeah. And, and I also, so shortly after that, realized that I have a million cookbooks. This is what I do um, that I have purchased for a reason at some point, you know, 10 years ago, I bought this book. Why did I buy this book? I never made anything from it. I never made anything from it because a lot of the recipes were just not practical for my family, the kids, whatever, that, that sort of thing. And so going back through those books and being like, oh, this makes me excited. This, this is why I bought this book. There is preserved lemons and capers and olives in here. They would never have those things. Like, <laughs> so sort of trying to get excited about it in that way, I think is for me has been the biggest thing. The second biggest thing is that sometimes it's okay to have a scrambled egg and some toast for dinner. Like that, I feel like those are the two, like get excited about food. And then sometimes I just have to be like, it is not worth doing this for me today. Although I do have some great ideas for easy dinners for one, if you want to ask me about that. At oh, point. I do. But first, I, I love that you said to get excited about it because, 
you know, so much of the work that we do here on the Women in the Middle podcast and in my communities is learning A, what do I like? What do I want? And B, how to be more intentional about creating it for yourself. And so even thinking that way about food is fun. Like I remember in university, I had a cousin who was visiting once and for some reason we were in the grocery store together and I was going on about how grouchy I was about being in the grocery store and how I really hate shopping. And she looked at me and she said, I love being in the grocery store. I get to buy all the things I like. And I just thought, oh my God, this was in the eighties. I never Mm -hmm. thought about it that way. So -hmm. this is a real fresh take for me to think about. Now my kids happen to like a lot of food, so I don't have the picky problem, Mm -hmm. but I have heard some of my friends talk about it with allergies that when the kids are gone, they can reintroduce some of the foods that they like because the kid with the allergy um, doesn't live there anymore. So I I love focusing on what gets you excited. I got excited when you said capers and olives too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think I like there's small things. I feel like I have a little bit more time too when I don't have my kids. So I can, I mean, you talked about the grocery store when I have my kids with me, I'm in a mad dash sometimes running in there at 5 PM to grab that last minute thing when they're not here. And I'm not having to drive them to school or do those things. I can stop for half an hour in the morning and just go slowly and look for new products and see what's there. I mean, I'm obviously a big foodie and I love this stuff, but like, it could be exciting to be like, Oh, that's a new brand of cherry tomatoes. And there's some orange ones in that container and, <laughs> and, and get excited and buy them and have the, t- have the time to enjoy being there and choosing the food. Yeah. I really like that. Or even choosing a time on purpose mm-hmm. where you have yes. more time rather than doing the 9 a.m. dash on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I have fallen in love with Instacart with COVID. Yes. It's been a COVID gift for me. And I don't know that I'll ever go back, but obviously Instacart is not going to give me that experience to have mm-hmm. the experience. And I sometimes I do need to go to an actual grocery store. And it does feel that most most of the stuff is purchased now. It does feel easier to go in in a relaxed way and just slowly read a few labels and look okay. around at a few things and change the experience. So even the grocery store can be a better experience. Oh, I think so. And what you said about Instacart makes me so happy. I use it too, but I, I have I use a grocery app. It's called Our Groceries. It's free. I love it. But um, I add things to my grocery list. And then when I do my Instacart order, I make sure that I get all those big and annoying things yes. done that way. So that's the paper towels and the toilet paper and the boxes of seltzer water and, you know, Pretty anything heavy. that, yeah, all that, that, that stuff that just drags you down. That stuff's not, that stuff is not fun at the grocery store, no. but then if all <laughs> of that is done, then when I do go in, I'm getting the salmon, the capers, the dill and, you know, the, oh, those cute baby potatoes and not, and not having to fuss with all that stuff. So definitely strategically using Instacart is a huge, good strategy. Now you mentioned you had some ideas for cooking for one. Let's talk about that or just even cooking for two. It's very different than cooking for four or five, six. So it, what, you know, let's hear them. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the first thing is I, I feel like we get more creative and more interesting, the more limits we put on ourselves. And I think that when we have our full family there and we're trying to think of something for dinner, we are limited. We're limited by the allergies, by the things people don't like. So you're limited by like, what did I have yesterday? Okay, I had tacos yesterday, so I'm not going to do Mexican today. But also so-and-so doesn't like this and that and this. And that limiting 
is what lets us come up with the ideas. Now you take away some of those limits. Those people are gone. It's just you. There are no limits. Now it's impossible to come up with an idea because you can do anything. When you can do anything, (laughs) nothing comes to you, right? So starting with some kind of limiting place, whether there's a website somewhere, it's called like dinner roulette or something. And you type in chicken, broccoli, and it spins out a recipe. Now you might not make that recipe, but at least you've got this like, oh, okay, I'm going to start with this idea. I'm going to, you know, okay, I'm going to make something Middle Eastern today. That's going to say, okay, I'm going to need tzatziki. I'm going to, so having those sort of limiting things to figure out what you want. I think that's one of the hardest things. That's a good point. The cooking for one, it's not about, it's about a lot of things, but it's not just about the amount and the small size. It's about what do I even want to eat? How do I think of that? And so trying to find some limiting factor that lets you get excited in a little place where you can play. I think that's the first tip. My second tip is air fryer. I am obsessed with (laughs) the air fryer. (laughs) Tell us why. I don't know anything about an air fryer. Oh my goodness. Okay. So it is like a glorified toaster oven. So have you ever done any like cooking in a toaster oven or used it for broiling open face sandwiches or anything like that? It's like that, Um, except it gets hotter and cooks things better. But it, the, it, it's small. It fits. Like I can do for, for me and my boyfriend, we'll do two salmon fillets and a bunch of baby potatoes in there. You don't have to preheat this machine. You can, but you don't have to. So really, by the time I season the salmon and put it in there with the potatoes, turn it on 10 minutes, it turns out perfectly. The potatoes are cooked. The salmon's cooked. Little salad on the side. It just, because you don't have to preheat it, because it gets hot fast. It's just the right size for one or two people to put most of your meal in there. The food turns out, people think the air fryer is about doing deep fried foods more healthy, and that is part of it, but it actually is just a convection oven. It's a, it's a high heat um, fan circulating. So you get, you know, if you put um, chicken thighs with the skin on in there, the skin gets crispy, you know? Mm. Potatoes will get a nice crunch on the outside, any, anything like that. So I just find the air fryer... It's not as big and daunting as the oven. It's a small size and it does things quickly and deliciously. When you're using the air fryer, like for four, I'll use it with my kids. I can only really do one component of the meal. Like I'll just do four chicken breasts in there, or I'll do a bag of baby carrots in there and it'll take like one component. But when it's one or two people, you can cook your whole meal in that little device. So I really love that. Wow. And then what's your tip? What kind of recipes do you think work best when you're cooking for fewer people? Because I, I mentioned before, my I have a grouchy attitude about it sometimes. If, it, if I start to think it's too much work or there's too much mess or mm-hmm. too many ingredients that need a lot of thought and I can't get them on Instacart. <laughs> so what are some like, plus I recently discovered I have some dairy sensitivities. So all the ooey gooey cheesy goodness is out of my life and, or at least until I continue to discover what, what I can use. So how do we make some decisions that it's not too much to do and it's delicious? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, um, so one of the things that I like to think about is focusing on the side dishes a little bit more. Um, and it's easy to reinvent side dishes too. So for instance, if I do, I have a oven polenta recipe. So creamy, porgy, cheesy, sorry, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, work. I'll do my sorry, best. There's, there's cheese. But um, you do it in the oven and then, and that can be a nice side dish for whatever, what a chicken, steaks, whatever you're having. 
But then the polenta can become like shrimp and grits. You can treat it sort of like grits. If you, you can take different protein to different vegetables and mix them with the side dish to make it different. So if you make a big pot of rice, I know your, your call, your um, listener said you can only eat leftovers for so long. I feel like for me, that's like, if I have a big pan of baked pasta in the fridge, I don't want to have that same baked pasta every day. I get tired of it. But if there's a pot of rice in the fridge, I can add that to soup or I can do something else with it. So it's not as repetitive. Oh, that's a great tip. Well, you know that uh, Nikki did ask a question about leftovers. They're very confusing. And I have actually, my husband and I have disagreements about how long you can eat leftovers. I think he thinks you can eat them forever. I don't know. (laughs) But we've actually looked things up. So what do you think about leftovers? Because I've definitely upgraded some containers to keep them fresher, Mm -hmm. but I I don't like to keep them around that long. What do you think? I'm like a three day at most person. Mm -hmm. And I don't, there's something about how, like, I love cooking. And I relax when I'm cooking. So if at the end of the day, at the end of my workday, if I'm just supposed to reheat the thing we had yesterday, I feel like I don't get my, that's me not getting like my meditative time. I'm not Uh getting my, so I like leftovers that I can reinvent into something else. So I will make, uh, and this, this is great for when you're cooking for one or two, like I'll, I'll brine. I had brine chicken breast yesterday. So they sat in a salt solution for four hours. And then we made, it was just me and Marty. Last night we made um, buffalo chicken wraps with that that chicken meat, and we had some salad with that. And then t- tonight, oh gosh, tonight we're doing stuffed peppers with that same chicken. So the chicken's already cooked, ah. and so I I can use that. I don't think of it as meal prep in the way that a lot of people do. Like they're big. I'm going to cook all my chicken on Sunday, and I'm going. It's not exactly like that. It's more like I can do. I can cook up some chicken breast today. And I can do a couple different things with that. I can make a pot of rice today and I can do a couple. So I still get my end of the day, creative, relaxing kitchen time because I'm taking those ingredients and doing something with them. But a lot of it was done the day before. So it's kind of like recycling more than leftovers. Yeah, it's a different way to think about it. It kind of reminds me about a lot of the turkey conversations around Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's a really great time to think about repurposing. And you hear a lot of radio shows and experts talking about Mm -hmm. that. I like that idea because I think um, on on Women in the Middle, we talk a a lot about thought work. And I think Mm -hmm. so many of us aren't really aware of why we're tired of leftovers. Is it because it's not creative? Is it because it's boring? Is it because you just don't want to duplicate. I kind of think I don't mind eating it for lunch, but I don't want to have it again for dinner. <laughs> That's how I feel too. And I don't, I don't know how far I want to go with this, but I'll tell you from, I talk to a lot of people on my podcast who are struggling with um, meal planning for their family. And I get, I, I'm learning that a lot of women, me included, feel a pressure to not only be good at cooking, but to love it. And I feel like something, I mean, I, like I said, I love my meditative cooking time at the end of the day, but I worry sometimes that it's somehow tied to like, I haven't done my good job as a woman or something if right. I don't get in the kitchen and make something new. Um, so there's something there that I think I want to keep aware of. Like I say, I need this thing, but what if I just say, screw it sometimes and do just reheat something or do just, am I, am I actually relaxed? Was I okay? How did it go? But I, I w- wonder sometimes if people who are, especially you know women who mothers, who don't love leftovers, if there's something because we feel like we're not doing our job that day. And if that's what's going on, then we need to embrace the leftovers a little bit more because it isn't, <laughs> it isn't necessarily our job, you know? 
I love that you explored that a little bit because at the beginning of our talk today, you actually used the word nurture, uh, nourish. You said nourishing Mm -hmm, your kids. mm -hmm. And when you use that word nourish, it really stood out to me like that. That is such a beautiful idea unless it starts to mean something about obligation or something that's creating some kind of a negative emotion for you. It's funny. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with my mom uh, the other day. So she's 78. She's uh, always been such an amazing cook. Like nothing scared her. She would always try new things and her food is delicious. And so she said to me, we're talking on the phone and she's like, what am I going to make for dinner? I'm so sick of this. And I thought, oh my God, I'm sick of it at 58. You're sick of it at that age. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what you're going to make for dinner. Can't you cut a corner and um, just order in? She said, well, you know, with before COVID, we would we would go out at least twice a week. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that COVID has definitely influenced the way people are eating and going out and socializing with food. And right now, the way it is in Toronto, I don't know how it is with you, but um, I'm still not eating in a restaurant. I'm still just eating on an outdoor patio, which I'm really enjoying. Mm -hmm. But there have been a lot of restrictions and a lot of changes. So um, just to hear she's been at this so long and she's so sick of it. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's, it's a thing. It's so interesting because it's one of those things that we have to do. We have to eat. Right. Yes. And, and like, you never, I say like with the laundry, if I don't get to my laundry this week, I might be a little annoyed and it's behind schedule next week, but it's not the end of the world. I have to, but I have to find time to get some food somehow, (laughs) however that's going to be. So it's this thing that has to be done. And coupled with what I was saying, that pressure to be good at it and to like it, we don't worry about if we don't like doing laundry. Nobody, I mean, maybe some people love doing laundry, but most people don't, but nobody's judged for that. We don't put pressure on ourselves for it, you know, whereas with the cooking, it's this thing you have to do that you're supposed to like and that you never, ever get a break from. And you're talking about COVID. I'll tell you, we went um, kid-free vacation driving because it was COVID. It was I think we'd just gotten vaccinated. And so we were all excited and we drove up to West Virginia, just me and Marty. And I realized I had five days that I felt more relaxed than I'd felt in so long. And it was because it was the first time. And you'll remember when the vaccines first came out and people were double vaccinated, the world was a little bit safer. That was pre-Delta. Yes. So things were opening up and we were eating in restaurants and I just didn't have to cook for five days at all after doing three meals a day for my homeschooled kids and for myself and not eating in restaurants. And it was such a beautiful release. Like I was just like, Oh, this is, this is, this is nice. Not, not having that pressure and having to be responsible for that thing felt so good. So, you know, your, your mom's 78, she's been feeling this pressure. (laughs) (laughs) And there were five of us. There was a lot. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. One of the other um, pieces of equipment that you mentioned um, in our pre-interview was having a top-notch casserole baking dish. So what do you mean by that? You mean something smaller? Yeah, I think actually deciding. So if you're somebody who doesn't like leftovers, having the right size stuff so that you're filling it properly, I think is really important. Like if I pull out a big 13 by nine dish to make a baked pasta and I'm trying to judge how much of everything I need, I'm going to put way more in there. Whereas if I have the size that is the right for me for my dinner and lunch the next day or whatever it is that I'm trying to do, that's going to really help. Um, I think the same 
I use a big sheet pan for a lot of stuff. And I actually just mentally, if it's just me, make sure that I'm putting less on there. It can, you know, I, I do this dish with um, chicken thighs, cherry tomatoes, fresh basil and sliced chilies. And you just put it all on this big pan and it goes in the oven. If it's just me or just me and Marty, it's one pint of tomatoes, right? But that doesn't look full enough. Like I need to sort of remind myself like, okay, wait, no, don't grab that second pint of cherry tomatoes that is sitting (laughs) on the counter because it's way too much, but it feels emptier on that pan. So having the right size or just mentally like bringing it in and reminding yourself that it should be less if you don't want the leftovers, that's important. I love that idea. And I personally, I love to get something with a matching lid. I find that just makes it so easy. It's one less step. Yeah, it's great. And you can find them now where they have the lid that you cook them with and then also like a a storage lid. So if you're if you're cooking for yourself or one other person, you're making enough for your dinner and your lunch. You don't want to dirty yet another like storage container, right? But if you've got that handy, I mean, you use plastic wrap or aluminum foil. We do this, right? Stick it over top. But if there is just a already good to go lid that you can just snap on there. I think that that feels nice. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it looks nice in your fridge and it looks much nicer. Yeah. And, and I like to be able to see in, I want to have mm-hmm. a glass container that I can see and it's not some mystery that's been placed in some container that has a different label on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned also in the pre-interview that um, your parents were in the food industry So what was that like for you? Do you think that that, how do you think that influenced your interest? I mean, I don't think they were into linguistics. It doesn't sound like. (laughs) (laughs) They were not into linguistics. No. Um, Yeah, they, they opened, well, they had a, my dad was a federal meat inspector for the Canadian government and he had his own business also smoking meat, kielbasa and pepperoni and bacon with a friend. They did that on the side. And then him and my mom started a spice packaging business. My mom was a customer service um, rep at Safeway. She was also a, a Pepsi sample person uh, the, with the little cups of Pepsi uh-huh. in, the, in malls and stuff. So everything was always related to food and drink. Like I just, I just don't even know, even the jobs that they had, they were in grocery stores or in restaurants, they're in these places. And then they opened a deli and restaurant that it was Ukrainian, Pro, the Progi Patch and Deli, they opened in Lockport, Manitoba when I was 12. And I was in there weekends, vacations, making pierogies next to the women who worked there, little babas in the kitchen. <laughs> and, um, and then they had, they had tons of restaurants over the years. They, they expanded and my brother and his wife are still in the restaurant industry. It's really a huge part of our family. And I think talking about food it, it's, we, we do it. We do it all the time. We're just always talking about food. What did you have yesterday? I get pictures from my parents of something they've got brazing. They just got a sous vide machine, empty nesters, <laughs> my parents <laughs> with their sous vide machine, which might be something <laughs> interesting for people to explore because you can make some really like restaurant quality, amazing dishes just for one or two in there and I, it without a lot of effort. So I, I'm interested to hear what their experiences are with that. But yeah, food has just been part of our life in our world ever, ever since I can remember. That's so interesting. And, you know, I'm always talking about people are like, I don't know what my passion is. A lot of listeners and uh, women in the community, I don't know what my passion is. And I'm always encouraging them to look for clues in their childhood and mm-hmm. things that always brought them joy. And sometimes it's not what you'd expect. 
So here you are pursuing, I'm fascinated by this, pursuing linguistics where food was something that was the backbone of your childhood and your life. And it's so interesting that you reclaimed it now. You know what's it's so interesting that you say that. I remember being in in the linguistics program and sort of wishing that I was in food instead. And I would think about I should just go to culinary school. And then my my brain would do this thing that said, no, that's evenings and weekends. You did that with your parents. You don't want that life. That's not what you want for your family. And then what ends up happening, I'm in this academic world and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not a good fit for uh, <laughs> for me. And I end up, but I ended, I've ended up in the food industry, but not in the restaurant industry. That was something I dream about it. I go into restaurants all the time and I'm like, oh my goodness, if I could have this place, I would change this and this. And I would here and oh, what a great idea they have over here at this place. Like I'm always, but I don't want those hours. So the passion is there, the food, but maybe thinking about it in a different way as we yes. get older and, and re spinning that around and, and figuring out what the different angles are. Exactly. And I really wanted to touch on that because you have, you are now in alignment with your passion, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a uh, nuanced, right? And that is, again, that's what a lot of people don't really see. They're like, um, well, I remember when I lost my job, I, I got laid off after a long time, after almost two decades. Mm. And I'm, I made a list of all the things I liked. This was before I knew anything about coaching. And I knew any, I didn't know how, I didn't even know how to really guide myself at that point. But I remember really loving, I put dogs on the list and I put solar energy on the list. And so I'm like, okay, well, what can I do with solar energy? And I looked into it because I just love the topic. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, ah, I, I, I don't really have the, the education or the skills to do anything other than to sell solar panels. So I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, but mm-hmm. I had the same thing with dogs. I'm like, I love animals. I love dogs. And it really helped me figure things out because one of the things I really love is working one-on-one with people. And I hadn't been doing that professionally. It'd been more group and social and behavior change at a higher level. So connecting with that really gave me insight. And for you, the passion, I mean, you're probably going to take your family up north someday, I would imagine. (laughs) And you'll be speaking fluently and they're not going to know what hit them (laughs) when you end up in none of it. (laughs) But, But your passion is food, but you just didn't want the restaurant industry, but there's so much else you can do um, with that passion. Yeah, no, it's been amazing. And it's really, it's one of those blogging the, the, this media food landscape. There's so many parts of my personality and expertise that get to shine. Like, so there is the, the coming up with recipes. It's very creative. And then I got to learn how to be a food photographer. Like I, that was learning on the job essentially. And, um, and that's very creative. And I, I could never draw. I, I was one of those kids in elementary school who I, I think I even got teased for not being able to stay inside the lines and color. Like, I just wasn't very girly in that kind of way, the coloring and the pretty drawings and all of that sort of thing. And it bothered me. And I thought that I wasn't creative. Wow. And it turns out that now, like the recipe development is very creative, but also this photography, it, it ta- it's very creative outlet. It just, it's not the same kind of motor skill, I think. Um, but then there's also all of this like administration for the business. And I'm, I do some of my own accounting. I'm in numbers. I'm looking at the stats for the websites to see where the traffic's going. There's all this number play, the writing, like there's just so many components 
that are, are like using different skills. And I really love that variety. And I never would have thought that I would find something in food that had all of these different components. Oh man. I love that. You noticed that about yourself because I also being an online uh, entrepreneur, I'm, Mm -hmm. I feel, and I have said that I feel more creative than I felt in my whole life. And it's because of exactly what you said. Like if you would have said to me, oh, you're going to have a podcast. I'm like, what? Me? I'm afraid of technology. But (laughs) have I always been attracted to sound and voice? And I was addicted to NPR and I would listen to NPR when I was a kid. And I just love that and all the different parts and aspects. And it is creative, but you labeled yourself not creative. And you you started closing down doors at a very early age. So I always think that, you know, you're on the right path. And one of the reasons I was excited about um, talking to you more was that it looks like, you know, to me, I didn't know exactly what was going on with you until I asked that question about none of it in linguistics, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that you did change paths. And I'm fascinated with how we change our path. And where the clues are that you were always on the right path, even if you took a little detour. You know, that it's it's such a great area to pursue. All of us need to. I so I was doing, we didn't get fully into this. I was doing a PhD in linguistics and I was all but dissertation. So I was, I'd finished all of my qualifying papers, all of my coursework. I'd started right, I'd done the proposal, publicly defended the proposal to my department and was just in the writing phase when we moved, which is heartbreaking to a lot of people who love me and know me that I quit so close to the end. But I was in this place where I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And it was hanging around my neck. It was like, I'd say, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll go to school to be an elementary school teacher. Oh, no, wait, I have to finish this dissertation first. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that project or I'll, maybe I'll volunteer somewhere. Maybe I'll, oh, no, I have to do this thing first. And it was just this weight that felt horrible. I ended up giving myself a few months. I said, okay, Take a few months. I put my son in childcare, took a few months. If I'm not done or close to done writing this thing by then, I have to stop. And I wasn't. And I stopped. And from that day on, felt so much weight lifted off of my shoulders that, and it's still hard sometimes. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I almost had a PhD. What was I thinking? Maybe I should go back. And then my, the anxiety, everything comes back. I'm like, oh, no, no. Do not, <laughs> do not call the University of Toronto and find out about how <laughs> you just don't. But like quitting is hard. It is very hard to quit things that you've put a lot of work into, but sometimes the benefits of it, if, when you know it's not right for you, the benefits of taking away that shackle, getting rid of that is, is just so beneficial to life. Oh my gosh. You know, there is a cost to staying stuck. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to it. And most of us don't think about it that way. We only think about the cost of failing in the new venture, but yeah. there's a massive cost to staying stuck. And when you described it as shackles just now, I was just beside myself with glee to see how happy you are now and your yeah. business is thriving. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about was you seem to have a love of chicken. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about what's going on with you and chicken. Yeah. So um, I make a lot of chicken. We cook a lot of chicken. It's very versatile. I at some point started to feel a little bit bored with it and wanted to experiment with more things. And at the same time that I was like, chicken is boring, but my whole family likes it. So we need to keep eating it all the freaking time. 
at the same time as that was happening is when I got an instant pot and an air fryer. And I was the sort of person, I like the way that I cook already. And I don't really like gadgets and I don't like having new things. Why, why do I need this newfangled devicey thing that you've got here? Why would I? So the, but I ha, I'm in this industry. So I have to stay on top of the food trends and the instant pot and air fryer were exploding everywhere. So I got the instant pot. It sat inside of my front entryway for two months because I oh. just didn't want to learn it, you know? When I finally did, it was pretty life-changing. Like I use, I use my Instant Pot probably at least four times a week for various things. Um, wow, and then I, I, don't, I don't have one of these yet, Christine. Oh, so it's not right for everybody. And I have a whole spiel that I can talk about whether it's right for you or not. It's very hands-off cooking. It's kind of like a slow cooker. You get similar results to a slow cooker. The things that do well in it are often the same as a slow cooker, but it's hyper-fast. And, um, and, and also hands off. And then I can do other things. Hard boiled eggs in the instant pot are a game changer. Grains, farro, rice, anything like that is amazing in the instant pot, doing big batches of things. So I went through that with the instant pot. I went through the same thing with the air fryer. I'm like, I don't want this thing on my counter, but everybody's using it. When I discovered how great they were and realized how my own resistance had been going with that, that is where I got the idea for my most recent cookbook, which is the all new chicken cookbook. 200 plus recipes for the Instant Pot, slow cooker, Instant Pot, air fryer, slow cooker, grilling, and more. The, it's all chicken recipes. And the idea was to have chapters for the Instant Pot and the air fryer, but also all the traditional cooking methods too. So you can do, if you want to roast a chicken in the oven, the way that you always have, and you want new ideas for that, that is there. If you want to try doing it in the Instant Pot, if you want to try doing it in the air fryer, that information is there too. So you can dip your toes in, you know? In, in one in one book. So it's really the idea was for people who are curious about these things, but are afraid, you can have one book that's sort of giving you all the options of different ways to cook things. That is amazing. <laughs> I Thank you. I, I love I think you're cracking me up. I love that um, that you were resistant. Like I wouldn't I would expect me to be resistant, but not you. The Instant Pot is funny because it's, it's a pressure cooker. And I just have this thing in my head. I remember my mom talking about it when we were younger, that they can like explode pressure cookers yeah. if you do it wrong. So I've got this new device that I don't really need because I'm perfectly happy with how I cook. And could it explode? Like, what if I, what if I do it wrong? You know, it turns out they don't, the electric pressure cookers don't explode there. That's sort of half the point is that they're not like the old machines. But it, it is a new thing to learn. And if you're happy, this is so, you know what? I feel like with the time management things that I do on my show all the time, so often we don't want to spend the time learning something new because it yes. will take time. But then once we do it, it's insane. I, I think about, I don't know, like project management um, for my business. When I had a, my first business manager came on board and she's like, we need to get you on base camp. We need project management. This is crazy. And I'm like, oh, I have to learn this whole thing. I, I could not operate this business or, or plan my life now without that. And it has streamlined everything. But it's that resistance to sinking time into something new when you don't know. And, and then often the perks are huge, you know? Yes. That's the thing with resistance. And I, it's a very common midlife thing, you know? We don't want to learn something new for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm, Time, mm -hmm. technology, yes. uh, it might be too complicated. I might not be able to do it. I'm not comfortable mm -hmm. being a beginner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's so many things to it. And noticing resistance in any part of your life is such good news because mm -hmm. then you can figure out, well, do I like my reasons? So 
for example, my kids think I'm crazy. They're in their 20s because I have no interest in learning how to use the grill. It's, it's a gas grill. I have no interest. They're like, mom, it's so easy. It's so easy. I'm like, it's okay. I have no interest in learning. Mm-hmm. But why? Then you can't cook whenever you want. I said, I don't want to have one more thing, A, that I'm responsible to do and know how to do, and B, that I need to learn. It's both things. And I don't take, I like those reasons. I don't feel mm-hmm. that I need to understand the grill. It's just one more thing, and I'm cool with it. But to have a negative attitude about cooking in general, mm-hmm. I don't know if I like those reasons. And I'm very interested in a lot of the things you said, because you're really talking about me. (laughs) I also thought an Instapot would explode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, that's funny what you're saying about the grill. I, I, back when I was married, didn't like using the grill either. But I think there's something there about if the other members of the family are doing the thing. If I learn it now, suddenly I have to do it. Right. I, or I'm going to, hey, come and, come and start the grill. Come and start the grill. Damn it. They haven't started the grill. I guess I'm starting the grill. If I don't know how to start the grill, then that's happening. I don't know that it's the best way to live life all of the time, but it's. Oh, definitely- I don't know. There's been a really nice spinoff <laughs> from it because now they've taken extreme pride in all things barbecue. Like not just starting the grill, but they're taking a real lead. And now they have fancy thermometers and they're like, and they're shopping and they're looking for sales on fancy thermometers and they're reading all kinds of like they've they're really taking the lead and they're very interested and the food is delicious. So, yeah, I don't know what would have happened if it was one more thing I was dealing with. Not that. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Yep. Yep. Your, your, your grilling game would not have gotten that far. Probably that's exciting, though. And, and you get to take a break from the cooking when there's other experts doing it. Absolutely. And guess what? Vegetables are beautiful on the grill, too. So that's one more thing I don't have to do. <laughs> yeah, they could do the whole meal on there. <laughs> they really can and, and have a good time. It's, it's really fun. It's so fun to watch because it's also when they do it, it's social. Mm. When I do it, it's not social. But when they do it, they're like, you know, having a beer, cooking, having fun together. Uh, it's especially I'm talking about the cottage situation. So, right. you know, in the summer, it's really a joy to watch them with their friends and their siblings just mm-hmm. really enjoy the experience. They don't have a negative attitude at all. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really great. I love that. The communal part of cooking. I it probably wouldn't surprise you to know that I do take over the kitchen and it's not always easy to cook with me, but I love having people in the kitchen when I'm cooking. Somebody else is in control of the music. Somebody's pouring the wine. Somebody's making the jokes. Somebody's, you know, maybe they're chopping something or, but that, that communal aspect and that joy of bringing joy to that chore. I think also um, doing dishes and, and things like that after like, it's not women's work anymore. And that even if somebody's like saying, no, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to do this. Just going and standing with that person and talking with them and, you know, being nearby, it, it just, it makes everything more fun for everybody. That is so good. Oh my gosh, Christine, thank you. This has been so much fun. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I am cook the story everywhere, except I'm not on TikTok yet. My daughter is trying to convince me it has not happened. Uh, so cook <laughs> the story on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then, yeah, my websites are cookthestory.com and the cookful is T-H-E-C-O-O-K-F-U-L. Okay, awesome. I'm, I'm going to have all your links in the show notes. Absolutely. 
And I just want to thank you for these tips. So some of the biggies were think about what you like, which Mm -hmm. I love that reminder. Repurpose the leftovers. Just because you ate them one way doesn't mean mean you have to eat them again that way the next time. Get some fun tools and appliances. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) This one is so simple, but get a smaller casserole dish. I do Mm -hmm. not have a smaller casserole dish. It's a great idea. Absolutely. And look through your old cookbooks and magazines and things with those new eyes to see, you know, and reading glasses, new eyes and reading glasses. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Thank you so much. I'm going to get that cookbook immediately. I need to know more things to do with chicken. So thanks thanks again. Thanks for having me, Susie. It's been great. Oh, awesome. It was super fun having you. Wow. So good, right? Did you pick up a few tips that will help you in the kitchen? Christine is just so happy after she pivoted and followed her passion for food. What a path she took. If you don't know where Christine was studying, it is far away and really remote. Inuktitut is the Inuit language, which is an indigenous language spoken in the central and eastern Canadian Arctic. When you fly, it is 1,845 miles north from me. So I'm in Toronto on Ontario, Canada now, and it is way up there. (laughs) So one thing I love about interviewing guests is to be able to sniff out a good story. And really, you can't get a bigger pivot story than that one. Going from the study of indigenous language in the Canadian Arctic to an online cooking related business. (laughs) Wow. She followed her heart and soul and it led her to something she's always loved. Always be curious about what you've always loved, like wherever you found joy previously in your life highly likely to bring you joy again. And then you got to ask yourself whether or not it's showing up enough in your life because it is bound to bring you way more happiness. Also, be sure to check in with yourself about your own thoughts about cooking. Really, how's your attitude about being a home cook, doing the food prep, fueling your body? Are you having enough fun? Are you doing what you want to do? Has it changed now that you're older and your family situation is a little different? All good questions to help you continue to put the puzzle pieces together in your unique midlife puzzle of life. All right, that's it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. To check out the Women in the Middle Academy, my new six-month coaching program where you can get unstuck get clear, and finally feel free, head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com and click on the podcast tab for notes to this episode. So all those recommendations and where you can find Christine will all be there. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <music>